The other thing about this woods is there are other people that hunt it, so sometimes they beat you. It's Talk of Iowa from Iowa Public Radio. I'm Charity Nebbe. And right now, I am at an undisclosed location in northeastern Johnson County. I am here to learn how to search for morel mushrooms. And the location is undisclosed because mushroom hunters are very reluctant to share their secrets. I have asked a master morel hunter to show me the ropes, Mark Vitosh. He is a forester with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources, but he is not on the clock right now. Mark, thanks for taking me out. It's great to be in the woods. <laughs> so we are on the land of someone that you know. You've, of course, asked permission to be on this land. That's a pretty important rule for mushroom hunters, right? Yeah, it's a big rule. Um, people yell about deer hunters and others, but sometimes mushroom hunters are don't do so good in making sure that they ask for permission, knowing the property lines, make sure, because everybody wants to mushroom hunt, so they don't want you taking their mushrooms that they're going to be out there on Tuesday hunting. So, yeah, just be respectful of people's property. Also, we always talk about invasive species and stuff. Um, clean your boots from one place to the next. Try not to carry things like uh, garlic mustard and stuff like that. Clean your gear and all that kind of stuff before you walk on to different properties. What makes this a good location to hunt for morels? Well, it depends who you talk to, but, you know, we always, when we've done talks and stuff, we talk about elms. You know, if someone's going to start mushroom hunting, I always like to tell them to kind of focus on elms. We'll talk about that a little bit, dead elms and this kind of stuff. But I would say any timber that has a diversity, even if there's not elm, sometimes there's just something about those woods. There's other trees, ash, oak. Um, you know, as you, what I always tell people is start with the elms first, uh, especially elms that have died freshly the year before. Those are the ones you want to focus on. And then um, once you start learning the woods, you might find other places that are just good places to find mushrooms, even though there may not be elms. How long have you been hunting morels? Uh, I've only been hunting morels, actually hunting, probably for about 18, 20 years. But my grandma Lois, God bless her soul, um, when I was a young kid, got me to start eating morels. She would get them from her friends, and uh, she'd cook them up in that a black pan and put a little breadcrumb on them and cook them in butter and I just fell in love with them and no one else in my family <laughs> likes to eat them my folks or anyone like that but I I, I just always really liked them and then, uh, thankfully my father-in-law who I've been married to his daughter for 33 years 32 33 something like that <laughs> um, uh, he picked them for a long time and uh, I always found a way to be there when he was cooking them so I could get a few. And now I've returned the favor. He can't get out in the woods anymore. And so my first bag went to him uh, from my hunting last Saturday. Nice. That's great. Well, okay, uh, before we start looking, this is such a brief season every year. Some morel seasons are longer and better than others. This spring, of course, has been 
cold and dismal and now all of a sudden we are out in 90 degree heat which is not ideal for morel mushrooms but in a typical year what what are you looking for that tells you it's time to get out and hunt well especially in the woods um the may apples are starting to come up the dutchman's breeches are blooming um, the marigolds are up some of those you know there are things starting to come up there's not a lot of, if you even look now, there's not a lot of trees that are like leafed out, but they're starting to leaf. And then, like I've told the story before, um, I've been keeping a diary since about 2006. And about five years ago, I, as I was keeping looking at my records, I always noticed the first mushrooms I found were about the same time that my crab apple in my backyard started blooming. So I religiously now, I wait to that thing blooms, and um, it bloomed on May 2nd, started to bloom, and then I think I went two or three days later and found 35 little grays on this one specific hill that I always go to first where I find. And the other thing is, um, usually we go to south and west facing first part of the season and as it gets a little longer then you start moving to the east and the north because those are cooler longer and a lot of times you may have a lot of vegetation on the south and west and there's nothing on the north yet at all usually if there's no vegetation it's too early to hunt mushrooms I know a lot of people look at the oak trees. I've heard that when the oak leaves are the size of a mouse's ear, that's when you should start looking for morels. That's I, not your cue. I, I've heard a mouse's ear or a squirrel's ear, whichever. Somewhere in between, maybe. <laughs> um, but I, I, I have really focused on the plants. Like the may apples aren't in bloom, but usually their canopy is up when I start finding them. And then usually before it's over, they're in bloom too. The, the other thing for me, just historically, if, um, and this year is very unique, if I'm still hunting in uh, Mother's Day, it's been a long season or it was very cold. So this year it was very cold. Um, and uh, I started like three or four days before Mother's Day and that's just doesn't happen very often. Almost unheard of. So you mentioned little grays. You hear people talk about little grays and then the big yellows. So tell me what the difference is. Well, I believe there's actually a species difference between the two, and I'm not going to throw scientific names at you. Um, but the grays tend, and there can be bigger grays, but the grays have a gray color, and the yellows are a much more yellowish. Um, but the, the mushroom itself, a lot of times on the yellows, is... It, it, the membrane is just thinner and the grays are usually really thick and I love the grays they're just they're juicier and uh, I love mushrooms so I'll eat yellows too but I mean the I just like the grays now the grays can be pretty tiny I found some the size of my pinky nail the other day so I mean and I sat there probably for five minutes before my eye actually found it you know so they're tougher the other challenge is this time of year is there's like in this forest there's a lot of oak and hickory leaf litter and sometimes there's mushrooms there and you just don't see them that's why you carry a stick that's right? why i carry a stick <laughs> <laughs> all right but so i don't go out and rake areas or anything like that i mean i used to be really focused on finding everything when i was a little younger now i just like to be out and uh 
I focus on certain trees, and if I miss some, hey, I miss some. All right. Well, let's let's start looking. Tell me, tell me what you do when you start to look around. So the thing that I actually do when I'm mushroom hunting is I'm always looking forward. I'm looking maybe 20 to 35 yards ahead of me. And again, I tend to focus uh, when I hunt a lot of these areas, I look for dead elms. And obviously this time of year, we're, we're seeing a little green in this woodland. So I can usually tell, being a forester, I can tell by the branch structure and stuff. And a lot of times I can tell if they're dead. But the thing that I focus on is I go after elms that probably died last year where the bark is really tight and you might see that the woodpeckers are starting to work on it, but it's not really sloughing. Now I will stop at the ones that are sloughing too, but from my experience, usually the ones that have tight bark that died the year before, if they're going to produce mushrooms, usually their highest production will be that first year. And then a lot of times I'll go by in year two, there'll still be some. And then I went by one on Saturday, it was year three. And if I go year three and still find some good mushrooms, I call that the giving tree. Now, if the bark's sloughing, a lot of times, if there's some bark on the bottom still and it's sloughing on top, I might walk by and just take a glance because you never know. And then once in a while, too, on some of those, the other thing is you may just have, again, like I said earlier, you may have an area that is just a good mushroom site. It could be year five or six and no more elms there. The area where I find my grays when my crabapple blooms, there hasn't been a dead elm in there for eight years. But it's every year I find 10 to 30 little mushrooms on this one south-facing hill. And there's just something about that hill that produces a few grays. All right. Well, I'll follow you. Okay. I'm being careful, but I didn't bring a stick. So I see you looking up, and that's to that's to check and see if there's foliage on the trees, right? Right. So this is a dead elm, but it's probably been dead for a couple years. Um, because I can see the bark sloughing. Right, right. And so I'll just take a quick look around. And I usually stop. You know, the one mistake I think people run into is they go right to the trunk of the tree. And like the other day when we found some, we probably found them 10 to 15 feet from the trunk. You got to remember that it's an association with the root systems and some of those roots can go a long way. So I usually stop a ways out and kind of work my way in towards the tree. And, you know, this is, it's kind of like fishing. You got to wait till they bite. They always say uh, you find the first mushroom and it'll usually give up the rest. Say they're over there, they're over there. So it's just a matter of uh, giving it some time and just taking a deep look. Because, again, if here there's a lot of debris on the ground and stuff, and they could be hiding. But, again, since this has been dead for a couple years, I, I wouldn't expect to find much. Right. But when you stop and look, yep. tell me what you're doing with your eyes. You're, you're sweeping the ground. What are you looking for? So I'm looking for a sponge. In my mind, my eye sees a sponge. It sees sponge texture because that's what a mushroom, what a morale is. So it's that gray or yellow. Um, now that's the one thing 
that a lot of people like about the yellows is they can get awful large. They're more that yellow color, that blend, that there's a contrast with that in the green. So sometimes it's easier to find those uh, than the grays. Because the because here, if we look down, there's a lot of brown. Everything's and stuff. gray. Everything's gray. So <laughs> it it tends to blend a lot, and it's pretty hard to to find them. And that's it. That's where patience. Um, and I was telling you on the right out here. This for me, um, this is not work in the sense that in my normal job, I'm looking at woodlands, looking at characteristics of trees, and looking at the conditions and when I'm doing this I'm not I'm not thinking about that most of the time uh once in a while I do but I'm just thinking about walking in the woods and seeing mushrooms it's a mental break yes yes I see some dead elms over there yes people that are new to mushroom hunting uh -huh. getting really nervous about finding the wrong thing right do you find false morels I do but uh the one that's actually a false morale that is identified as false morale doesn't look anything like morale. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of an orangish, really large, and kind of gelatinous looking. But then there are some others, and we actually saw some Saturday that have really kind of pointed tops, and they have a very long stem, and they don't have as much sponge look as the true morale. So there are some out there. The other thing is... You know, Iowa State has a great publication. I think it's on foraging. And then they have one, I think, specifically on mushrooms. And it has, um, like, colors of pans, like red, doney, green, okay, yellow, you're on your own kind of thing. But, you know, those things are good, too. But I, I think I would always go starting with somebody that's got good knowledge that you trust and always follow up with, the, the challenge with pictures like we know with tree ID and all that kind of stuff, there's so many different characteristics sometimes you still may miss something. All right. Yeah. So do your homework, but also yes. ask, ask an expert. Yeah. So one of the things that makes this so addictive is that it's hard, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not easy. I mean, some days it's it's easy, but a lot of days it, it takes time. I mean, you got to we're not going to do it, but we could spend three hours in here today looking every little corner trying to find, you know. I mean, the challenge, too, is you're you're focusing on ones that die, and if you have a woods and they start, a lot of them die, that may reduce, you know, I walk, walk with people and they're like, well, 10 years ago this was great, and then you see all the skeletons of all the elms and, you know, why it was great, and, and now they don't have as many left, so they're just not finding as many. Do you have some morel hunting superstitions? Um, one of the superstitions is I, I don't take my bag out of my little pouch here until I find the first mushroom, which it hasn't come out because we haven't found any. I told you I was afraid with the little bit of dryness and different things that maybe we weren't going to find any today, but we'll keep taking a look and see what we find. Bringing somebody with a microphone along might be bad luck, too. <laughs> it's all good. So... Not a lucky day, huh? It's always a lucky day when I can walk in the woods. Let's put it that way. I was ready to admit defeat, but Mark was not. So we drove to another undisclosed location, the mushroom hunting equivalent of a sure thing, a site that has proven to be fruitful for years. Well, yeah, I was actually here Saturday and didn't find a lot. 
but this is a south-facing hill and if it's not too dry I think we'd find some today but okay. we may not oh hey Mark oh I God. found some morel mushrooms <laughs> Two little ones are what I can see. See, it doesn't take much to make you happy when you're out mushrooming. No. It doesn't take much. No, it's exciting. It is. So what's your favorite way to eat them? So my favorite way to eat them is um, I don't use a lot of butter in my diet, but during mushroom season I do. So I like Ritz crackers, and I actually like the Ritz crackers um, that have vegetable mix in them, and then just cook them in butter butter. yeah and brown them up just right and uh, they're good and then I usually will try to eat them within three days try to eat them or give them away my my favorite part is I've got four or five people that I know really appreciate them so if I can get one or two plates and also give them you know a bag or two through the season that's a great season for me All right, well. It was really quick this time. I don't have another spot, I promise. <laughs> well, I do, but we're not going there. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mark Vitaj, thank you so much. Thank you, I'm glad we finally found some. Me too. All right. This is Talk of Iowa from Iowa Public Radio. I'm Charity Neppy.